Welcome to the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. I'm your host, Nicole, and this podcast is your guide to start creating a lifestyle by design. From entrepreneurship, money and finance, taxes and residencies, and everything in between, this show highlights the nuances of a true global citizen lifestyle. Let's dive in. Welcome back to the show. And in today's episode, I sit down with Diani Hall. So she is a solo budget backpacker, podcaster, and freelancer who has been nomadic for almost four years. She started her journey with a solo trip to India and hasn't stopped since. She hosts the podcast While She's Away, where she interviews women on their travel experience and expertise in order to help women live their best lives exploring the world, which I am all about. She is currently a freelancer working in content creation and podcast management and has done it all in the name of seeing as much of the world as possible. And she is here to share what she has learned in this episode today. We touch on all things travel, but also on building a business, where she gets clients from, which is a question that I am asked all the time, as I'm sure she is, and so much more. So let's dive into it. Honey, welcome to the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. So excited to dive into your story, your journey as a digital nomad. So let's start out by hearing a little bit more about you where you started on this journey, and how you got to where you are today. Great question. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. But to start with my journey, I, oof, that's always, I never know how to answer this, if I should just like go for the deep dive into the very beginning where I started or give like the abridged version. But basically, um, I had taken my first solo trip when I was, not solo trip, taken my first like trip outside of the country when I was 14. I'd went on a mission trip when I was younger. I was raised super Christian and um, that kind of sparked this excitement for like seeing the world. I had kind of seen a bit more of what was out there at that point. First of all, I no longer identify as Christian. That's not. So <laughs> let me just put that out there real quick. Um, but anyway, I that had happened. And then as I got older through kind of high school and college, I was looking for different ways to travel. And I had wanted to join the Peace Corps or study abroad, but none of these things had ever sort of worked out. So when I'd graduated from university with my degree in psychology, I was kind of on this path of I'm going to go get my master's in social work. I had gotten into a social work program. I had kind of seen the whole trajectory of what that was going to look like. And I got kind of nervous. I was like, I don't know if I'm ready to do this all right now. It's kind of like I saw the rest of my life kind of like paved out before me in terms of, okay, you get your master's and then you do your clinical hours and then you open up your own practice and whatever, whatever. And and then in my head, I was kind of like, where are the rest of my 20s going to go? You know, what are the rest of this like younger years that I want to spend adventure and exploring going to go? And so I think like two weeks or so before I was supposed to start my master's program, I had my classes picked out, all the things ready. I was like, actually, I'm not going to do this right now. And I spent about a year like working a bunch of different odd jobs between nannying and personal assistant stuff and cleaning Airbnbs until I got to save a decent enough, not a lot. We were very much on a strict budget, but save up a nice little chunk for me to be able to go. And I had went to India at that point. I had started backpacking through Southeast Asia for four months. And that was my first kind of intro into travel. And I think it was one of the things like most of us think that it'll just be like that one time stint. 
and that'll be it. But actually, it has turned into my entire life because now five years later, we are still traveling in different ways now. It definitely looks different than it did back then, but still very passionate about travel, still in this space and still moving around the world as a nomad. I love it. I love the similarity between our story, which I just shared with you not that long ago on your podcast. But I love the similarity of kind of yeah. seeing potentially your entire life in front of you at your young 20s and being like, oh, my gosh, I don't want to know what the rest of my life looks like. Like, that's not fun at all. No, absolutely not. That was kind of like it was more the fear of anything of that. It was the fear of I don't want that. What am I going to do? to pivot away from that, to change that, to do something different. Because if I don't do anything, it's just going to end up being that. And so, yeah, I'm I'm glad I made that change, though. And I know a lot of us nomads are definitely are glad we made those changes. So right now you're home, you travel a lot. What does your travel schedule, journey, nomading, what does that look like? Yeah, so I'll, it looks really different. That first trip, we were doing it on a tight budget and I was just backpacking around and I was doing a lot of volunteering and things like that to be able to save money. And that was kind of what I had done for a few years, actually. I did that trip. And then I found an English teaching assistant program in Spain. I had moved to Spain for a bit. I au paired. I taught English. I saved, came back, saved up more money, did it again, and just kind of was hopping around a lot until I hit a point, really early 2022. Um, when I was like, what? I want this to look differently. I hate coming back to the States and starting off at zero every time I've ran through the money that I saved and needing to kind of start all over again. And that's when I had started dabbling in like, what can I do work-wise? And that was around, I started my podcast at the end of 2021. And so had learned like all of these skills, basically of self-taught, like, editing, marketing, production, all of these things, interviewing, all these things. And had gotten to a point later in 2022 when I was like, okay, I think like I could do this for someone else and had started opening myself and letting people know in my circle, in my travel circle who are also freelancers and that I was freelancing. And so then that allowed me to kind of work and travel at the same time, which has been the past, you know, year to more, a little bit more than a year that I've been doing that, which lends for longer stints of travel. Because before I would have to do only a few months or basically until I ran out of money and then I would have to come back. And so now it looks like, okay, of course I have like my my monthly income streams, the money's still coming in. And I will still kind of come back every few months. So right now I am in Jersey. I've been in Jersey since beginning of August. It's now the beginning of September. Um, I'll probably be here till October. And so I do try to come back for maybe a month or two at a time just to like actually spend time with family because they very like to unintentionally guilt me for not being here. <laughs> it's not, I don't think it's like on purpose, but you know, I think a lot of times they're sad that I'm not here. And so I try to just be more intentional about spending more time when I am here. And then, yeah, that's really what it looks like. I'll be gone for a few months at a time, but I know kind of moving into this next stint of life, it'll look differently because I'm in the process of like in kind of onboarding process with a part-time job at, with a production company. And like, I think that will kind of force me to be a bit more grounded. And so I think going into 2024, 
my travels will look more like having hopefully a home base somewhere in Central or South America and kind of just moving from that. And that's where my stuff is and my life is. Um, And then, of course, maybe coming back and visiting family for the holidays and things like that. I love how everyone's nomad lifestyle is unique to them, which I think is one of the most beautiful things about this lifestyle. So talk to us about your business freelance entrepreneurial journey. What did that look like and where did the idea even come from to start in the business marketing podcast space that you're currently in? And then what has the journey to build that up looked like? Yeah, that's a great question. I when I had first started and I wanted to do something online, I wanted to work in some way. I couldn't figure out what it was that I was passionate about. But once I had started my own podcast, I kind of had that like aha moment of like oh, this is the space that I'm meant to work in. Like, I really enjoy this. And building that up, I feel like happened sort of organically, but with with effort, but also organically, I think using your network is one of the biggest things ever. And so I had already, from being in the kind of travel space for a while, knew a lot of other travelers. And in that same vein, a lot of other travelers do end up eventually either being digital nomads or doing something in the online space. I had knew quite a few people. And so at that point, it was just something that I was vocal about. It wasn't like I had optimized my website for SEO or, you know, I was scrounging through Upwork and Fiverr or I was marketing it super hard on my Instagram. It was really just letting the people in my network know. And that's kind of how it started of that my friend would be like, oh, hey, I know this person who is looking for this. Are you available? Would you be able to do that? And I was like, yeah, totally. I can do that. And they would connect me. And that was me taking on one client. And then another friend would do the same thing. And that was me taking on another client. And I think the main ways that I had kind of navigated that, like bringing on clients kind of unintentionally, it wasn't really even strategic. But now looking back, I'm like, okay, these are helpful things for people to know is one really, like I mentioned already, optimizing your network, super, 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 super valuable. Who you know is so valuable. And it doesn't even have to be like, I know huge names in this space, but just knowing people, making those connections. And like being vocal about like, this is what I offer. Like, what do you offer? And finding ways to help those other people because it's not always, oh, what can you do to help me? But I've had like clients come to me where it's like, oh, you know, I'm not taking on any other editing right now, but I have another freelance friend who does the same and connecting. And so just being very active in this space of networking. And then another thing would be using um, social media as kind of like a portfolio, honestly. And allowing that to be a space where you network even further. So I had connected with um, a podcasting agency called Hello Podcast Media and just asking her about like how she started it, you know, very curious. And from that, a year ago has lended into now me doing PR and stuff for some of her clients, doing pitching for some of her clients and doing editing, like editing a lot of the shows that she has in her agency. And so it's led to business opportunities um, kind of organically. And then, of course, Upwork and Fiverr and just optimizing your Upwork and Fiverr are super helpful to just definitely getting started. But then optimizing your social media and kind of like showcasing what it is that you do, having that link in your bio. And all of these kind of things have kind of meshed together into me being able to bring on several different clients and kind of have that business now. So that's really like how it's kind of organically grown a bit of trial and error and amazing actionable tips thank you for sharing that so piggybacking off of all of those are equally important but I think one interesting thing I would like to touch on is the networking aspects because networking as a nomad when you're traveling full-time 
versus networking when you yeah. live in one city and have a local community look very different. So yeah. can you dive a little deeper into that specific topic and share what you're networking, maybe some of the tactics or platforms and what really works for you? So a lot of my networking and community that I've like created and been a part of has really been online because of, especially if you're networking with other nomads, nine times out of 10, you're not in the same place. Um, so you're not really meeting them face to face. But that's one of the things I would say is conferences. If you can get yourself to different sort of travel conferences, those are a great place to like kind of meet the people that you've connected with online face to face and create those even like stronger connections. So I started off going to Women's Travel Fest before I was even creating in the space, before I had even taken my first trip. I just went because I was excited and I'd met a few people. And then I've gone to Women's Travel Fest a few years now. And every time it's like now it's like, oh, I'm meeting up with people who are like friends, online friends and meeting up with them in person. Wits is another great one that I haven't been to, but a lot of people have mentioned that's really great. And then even expanding outside of just the travel conferences and going to ones within your niche, you know, like you really love finance. So finding finance ones to go to. But for me, podcasting is my space or you could go to podcasting ones as well. But podcasting is my space. And so like there's podcast movement and there's a bunch of different podcasting specific conferences that if you can make your way to are really helpful because like, yes, I do. Um, I'm travel full time, but I'm a podcast podcast manager, marketer, producer. And being at those conferences allows me to network with people in those spaces as well. And so you have connections in both sides. So knowing what your niche is and finding conferences within that is great. But also there's a lot of online spaces. And just the podcast has been really helpful in making connections because it's like, I'm a guest on your podcast. You're a guest on my podcast. We've like met, we've interacted. And that's happened with a lot of different people where we've stayed friends and I've met up with them in person from that because we've been in the same parts of the world. But I would say like not being afraid to reach out to people on social media and being like, hey, you know, I saw you posted this and I found that really interesting because of X, Y, Z. And just like organically building those connections with the intent of connecting, but also with the intent of later on, if you like see that there's an opportunity of some sort. And I think that's what social media is for. It's like it's engagement, it's community. So having those conversations on like things that someone else posted and interacting in those ways show that you're genuine and lead to things later on. And then, of course, there's online communities where there's Facebook groups or even paid memberships or paid communities. There's a women of color podcasting group that's like a paid monthly membership and you have access to all the women. There's a lot of different Slack groups for podcast specific things. Um, there's a lot of Facebook groups for travel. There's queer ones for LGBTQ backpackers. There's ones for host a sister or girls love travel or like all these different groups that you can be a part of and just engage in and that kind of open up the door for you to be a part of and actively in these different communities. Without you even realizing it, you've built connections that and those people know what you're doing. So when they hear from someone, oh, I'm looking for this, you come to mind. And the amount of times I've had friends or people that I just know casually message me and be like, hey, I saw this and thought of you. And like, I saw this opportunity and I saw this job posting and it made me think of you and they forwarded it to me. And that's just comes as a result of like going out of your way to genuinely make those connections to begin with. I love that. So much good information. Thank you for sharing all of that. I sometimes feel overwhelmed. And you said, you know, so many platforms and places where you can make connections. Yeah. And sometimes I'm like, 
oh my gosh, I have to choose the few that I want to be on because it can be a lot. I'm sure you've experienced that. But one thing I actually really love lately for connecting specifically with other nomads is LinkedIn. It's so fun. I actually find myself now going to my LinkedIn over my Facebook because my LinkedIn is now curated to being a feed of people I've connected with who are nomads and who are sharing nomad tips. And I share nomad finance on there. And so I think that has been lately a really fun way for me to connect with other You are not the first person to mention LinkedIn to me. I, it's not a space that I'm really active in. I am much more of a, I think, Instagram and TikTok. And the thing with TikTok is it's harder to engage in that way. But I do still have people like come into my DMs and we can still have conversations. But I haven't been as active as like on LinkedIn. And that is now my sign to add LinkedIn to my like repertoire of places to be active on. How do you manage full-time travel and doing client work and having those priorities that are important for you to make an income to sustain this lifestyle while also enjoying the lifestyle simultaneously? It comes with trial and error and I think a lot of practice because when I had first, especially transitioning from backpacker into digital nomad, they're very, very different lifestyles. And so as a backpacker, it's really easy to just like, you know, you've saved up a bunch of money. You wake up every day in your hostel with friends that you've met and made. And you're like, what am I going to do today? Am I going to go adventure around this new city? Whatever. And so when that was what I was accustomed to for a while, making that switch was difficult because I was used to that. And so part of me felt like I was honestly mourning the loss of like that way that I used to travel and kind of coming into this new version. And so when I first started, I only had like one or two clients and I was really focusing on kind of just figuring out like how to lay the groundwork. How do I want this to work for me? And I had been traveling through Europe at that point and I was moving really quickly, um, which made it super difficult to kind of balance the enjoying being here and meeting friends while also getting my client work done well. And also just prioritizing like friends and family back home as well of like making sure I'm taking the time to call them or send messages or connect with them as well. So at first, that was the biggest challenge. And then I learned like, okay, I needed at least minimum. If you're moving quickly, minimum a week in each place, like like bare minimum. So that way you have like a few days, you know, a day or so to get yourself integrated, a, a few days to get work done, and then maybe a day or two to like go sightseeing and things like that. I would not recommend a week. I would recommend at least like three weeks to a month or more, just so that way you don't feel like you're missing out. That has been the biggest thing of taking time because if you don't, then you're going to end up burnt out and like exhausted and not being productive for the work that you're doing, not really enjoying it because you're exhausted and like all the sides kind of suffer. So I think the time that I found that it worked really well for me was being in Mexico City. And I was volunteering as well at that point while I was freelancing because I was trying to see if I could, you know, save money on accommodations and volunteer while also while also doing my freelance work. And it was a lot to kind of do all the things. And I had a really great time, but I don't think I would be able to volunteer again. But I loved that I was there in Mexico City for a month because it gave me the chance to like really get to know it. And get to know the other people who were staying in my hostel. You know, I had the time to explore where it's like if I went on my Google Maps and had a bunch of things listed off that I wanted to see or do, it wasn't, oh my God, I have three days to do all these things. It's like, okay, it allowed me 
being there for a month allowed me to prioritize my client work and those things that needed to get done and then still feel calm and like I had the time to go and adventure and see all the things and make time for friends and make time to go back home and create sort of a routine. You know, that's what I'm learning right now of um, just a health routine or just a life routine of like, we are not constantly on vacation. This is our life and it needs to look like a sustainable lifestyle. And that requires like a routine and time in each place. And I think that has been the biggest key. I'm still learning, not perfect at it, but I think that has been the biggest key in allowing me to like maintain this consistently and not just get burnt out and quit, quit every single time. I remember we were also in Europe last summer and we were going like every few days to a week in a new Airbnb or a new city or a new country. And it was just a lot. And I mean, that can work for some people, but especially when you're doing client work and you know that you have priorities that need to get done before a certain time frame, it can get very overwhelming. And what I always say, I don't, I don't know like what your take on this would be for your lifestyle, but for me, what I always say is that I need it to be something that is sustainable and I do spend because I want my business to be sustainable as well. I do spend a lot of time at my computer and I think it can be very glamorized and Instagrammable on Instagram, on social media. But yes, of course, I'm enjoying wherever, wherever I am. However, I am still getting the work done. Some days I'm in front of my computer for 10 hours and that's kind of the behind the scenes that a lot of people don't think of or don't see. That's not really the stuff that we post. Of course, there's little clips of Oh, yeah. Like a video of me. I posted something yesterday about like now I'm working from Greece. You know, there's a little clip of me like working from my laptop next to a pool in Greece in Athens. And that was, you know, I was doing that that day. And I'm so grateful that I am able to do that. But, you know, not all days look like me sitting by the pool. A lot of times I'm in, you know, I'm not in Airbnb. I'm in like the hostel you know, office area or sitting room and I'm sitting at my computer and I'm working or I found a cafe or a co-working space to go to. And so it's not every day doesn't look like, like you said, hanging out and meeting friends and um, trying all these places and going to all these museums. That's the stuff that I'm posting because, of course, that's the exciting part that people want to see. But a lot of my day to day looks like finding a co-working space, looks like finding a cafe that works and sitting down and getting stuff done, because if not, I am not able to afford this lifestyle. (laughs) So you really have to learn how to prioritize. And I think that's something maybe new nomads don't even realize. It's they're just like, oh, I can just like, you know, work from everywhere now. But yeah, you forget that the work portion is very much still involved and there's still long days. And I think, too, that's part of why I do like coming home as well. Sometimes I don't always love being here because it's always like there's so many other places that I can be and I just feel better when I am not here. But I like that here in my dad's house, I'm really fortunate to like have my own room here and have my own space that I don't always get when I'm staying in hostels sometimes. And having my own space allows me to like sit down and just sit at this desk and bang out a day's worth of work. You know, like I don't have to, I'm not in a new place where I want to go see things and meet new people, know all the friends that I have here, get what I'm doing. I can see you next week. I can see you on the weekend. I can see you some other time. But like my days here when I'm home are long because I'm just sitting and getting work done. So it's also too knowing those seasons of like, I'm going to put in a lot of work right now so that in this other season that I'm going to go into, 
I can enjoy a little bit more travel, but there is still some work involved. In I completely agree. So kind of on this topic, I'm curious for you, when you started in your entrepreneurial journey, what were some of uh, the difficulties or challenges that you faced that you were not expecting through entrepreneurship, freelancing, having your own business? I think one thing I didn't really know how to do or that I needed was kind of just like systems and onboarding. What does that look like? What do I need from the client going into it? I think a lot of times when we're freelancing, it's like, oh, I got a client. But like, what does that really entail? You've got on the call and you talked about what it is that you're going to help them with, what you're going to do from them, what's in the contract. But how are you collecting that information from them? Are you just getting on a call? Are you sending over an intake form? Are they filling out all these different aspects? And as a first time freelancer, those aren't things that I like knew that I needed to do or knew really how to do, you know? And so with time that kind of progressed, but, and to now like, okay, we, you fill out this intake form before we get on a call. And using resources like HoneyBook, I've recently discovered them over the past few months. Amazing. They streamline a lot of the processes where, you know, the pricing is sent, the packaging, and then they can automatically like pick a package. And from there, it takes them to the contract that they can fill out. And then it takes them right to the invoice that they can, they can like pay right then and there. And that's boom, 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 three things done that before I would have been like sending manually. I would have had a Google Doc with the contract to send over and then, you know, had them fill it out in DocuSign or something and then sent an invoice manually and like all these different parts. So it's really kind of gathering together and figuring out like streamlining a lot of these systems because it doesn't just make it look more professional, but it also helps you mentally of like having those things organized and knowing what that looks like. And so I think, too, that was one of the biggest things that I didn't have any clue about when I first started and really took some time to figure out. You don't know what you don't know. And I think there's so many small details when starting as an entrepreneur, especially in the online space, because there's so many tools you can use. Like it's limited. It can be really overwhelming and you just don't really know what to start with and where to start. And you just kind yeah. of have to dive in and, and do it in order to figure out what works and what doesn't work. Absolutely. And it's not to say, I think what you're saying too, there's so many different ones. I can get overwhelmed with like people being like, oh, this one's really great. And this one's really great. And this one's really great. And then you feel like you need to use all of them. And you do not need to use all of them. Whatever system works best for you is what you should be doing. I've recently discovered HoneyBook and I cannot imagine a life without it now because it just is really amazing in, in what it's able to do. But maybe that's not your jam. Maybe you don't like how it works or how it functions. Then it's finding whatever systems work for you to make that work. And maybe you do like having the Google Docs and sending the invoice manually and doing all of that. But it's just having your processes that work best for you and not getting overwhelmed by all the options that are out there. What are some tips that you would give to either new nomads, new freelancers, or somebody who is a combination of both, which is probably many people listening who want to start their nomadic journey and want to have something of their own in an area that they're passionate about and they enjoy? What are some tips that you would give yeah. for somebody starting out in both of those spaces? Tips for starting off as a freelancer is know that it's going to take time and not get frustrated by the time that it takes. Um, I've had people in my DMs and be like, 
hey, you know, I really don't like my job and what I'm doing right now. I really want to switch to freelancing. How do I do it in like the next two weeks? And I'm like, mm-hmm, okay, first of all, <laughs> that's not exactly how that works because first you're like picking a niche or something that you can work in that you either enjoy or know you have skills in. So I think figuring out first like the skills that you have that you can apply to the freelance space, things that you know that you can do that you can help clients with. And then once you've kind of had that figured out, figuring out like what that will look like, what kind of packages you could create, how you could help people, and then going on to starting an Upwork with Fiverr and like really taking the time to search and sending those pitches to to projects that you feel like would be aligned and creating your profile on there and showcasing some of the work you have. If you don't have any work, you may be offering to do some free work for someone that you know or some really discounted work to kind of just build up a portfolio. But all of these things take time to do. And so being really patient with yourself as you're getting through these beginning process, because not everything happens in two seconds. And so it's going to take the time to build that up before the next thing can happen, before you're onboarding the clients, before all those things. And then I think in terms of just creating your own thing, especially with my podcast, I had no idea that starting my own podcast at that point, I was just really passionate about talking about travel and, you know, especially talking to women in travel who've created amazing lives and are just so smart and all of these things. And I love just I love women being women and just doing the thing that they're doing in in travel space or just in general. And so I was just really passionate about that. And that was just the beginning of why I started it. And I would have never known that it would lead to where I am now, where I fully work in that space, where I've grown mine and I've had so many women DM me and be like, this has been so helpful. This has excited me to do this, this, whatever. And I think being really open minded and having those moments where you're like feeling discouraged and, oh, no one's listening or this isn't getting any traction or whatever the case may be is like, keep going. It's it's creative work is so weird in that, like, you don't really know where it's going to take you. It's a fluctuating thing. One day this thing works, the next day this thing works. Instagram changes, all these platforms changes. So allowing yourself kind of like being patient with yourself and allowing yourself to kind of just flow with like, this is what's happening and reminding yourself of why you're doing this. I'm passionate about this. On my on my Instagram, I have a little highlight reel of like pod reviews that I've gotten from different people. And when I do feel myself getting like, discouraged or like, oh my goodness, this is so much work. Is it worth it? You know, taking the time to look through those things and be like, okay, this has been impactful for people. This has been helpful for people. And that's what makes it worth it. And so being patient with yourself, being patient with the process and allowing yourself the time because it will work out. It just needs the time to get there, basically. I love that. I love the idea of having the highlights and then kind of going back and reminding yourself. I think that's so beautiful. So is it before we end off, are there any last words, anything that you feel we haven't touched on that would be important to touch on in this conversation? I think if you're really confused on just where to start, because I think that's the biggest thing that people say. It's like, I just I know I want to freelance, but I don't know where to start. And I'm trying to do a bunch of different things. You know, like right now on social media, you can go on and one person's telling you to create a course and the other person's telling you to do UGC content and the other person's telling you to do, you know, pitch sponsors and I would just take the time to get really clear on what it is that you want it to look like for you. There is no what like we were talking about. There's no one size fits all for literally anything. Some people are really successful in, you know, in 
pitching brand sponsorships and getting a lot of brand deals. Some people are really successful in selling their own memberships. Some people are really successful in creating courses that have a lot of value. And whatever the case may be, it's figuring out what you want it to look like for you and doing that. Because when you try to do all of the things, you're going to just feel like you're drowning and there's just too many things going on. So I think that is the biggest piece to start with is getting clear on what it looks like for you. And it doesn't have to be the same thing that's working for everyone else. Being really intuitive about what you want and then going from there and kind of blocking out all of the noise. So thank you for sharing everything you shared today. It's been very insightful. Where can people find you online and your podcast? Thank you for having me. I love talking about this, so I'm happy to gush and share and ramble on about all of it. But the podcast is While She's Away. You can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple, Google, all the places. Sorry, (laughs) all the places. And in October, October 1st, the season three trailer is coming out. And then October 17th, season three is launching with a bunch of different topics. And we'll be talking about finance, like I talked to Nicole about on the podcast, vegan travel. We're talking about queer travel, just all the different things. So come join me over there if you're a girly who wants to live your best life traveling around the world. And for social media, like I said, I mostly hang out on TikTok and Instagram and maybe hopefully soon LinkedIn a little bit more. Um, but right now for TikTok and Instagram, you can find me at while she's away pod on Instagram and at while she's away on TikTok. You've just listened to the work, wealth and travel podcast. If anything from this episode resonated with you, I would appreciate if you share this podcast on your socials. And of course, be sure to tag me. And don't forget to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you for joining me on this global citizen journey, and I'll see you in the next episode.